much again for being here on Mother's Day. And um, for those of you who are newer to the church, new, when I say no, I mean maybe like the past year or so, um, you've heard stuff about Kenya, you've seen stuff about Kenya in your bulletin, and we do this mission trip to Kenya every year. So some of you are, are, are very familiar about why we do this and how we got involved, and some others may not know. And so we're going to take this, this time today and kind of recap um, how we got started in this thing, why we do this thing, like the how and the why of all this. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, one thing that I try to um, warn our team about every year, you know, those of us who, who actually go on the trip, uh, I try to give some, some you know, warnings in advance about what this is like and what you'll experience. But even in the fundraising stage, I try and offer a little bit of a warning. Um, those of us who, who are going on this trip, we clearly believe about this cause, we understand the cause, um, we care about this, we think this is an important thing to be doing. Um, but I try to warn our team and say, you know, not everybody is going to respond to this cause the same way that we have. Right, Alana? That's my daughter. It's okay, honey. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. She's very passionate about it, as you can tell. Um, but not everybody's going to have that same emotional, spiritual response. I mean, those of us, we hear about this cause, we hear about this work in Kenya, and something kind of clicks, something connects with us. And so I try to warn, when you send your fundraising letters out, you might say, oh, I know this person, and they're like a Christian, and they're going to send me all kinds of support because they're going to... It doesn't always work out that way. See, here's the thing about the world that we live in. There's so many, I mean, with like, you know, the, the internet and how connected this world is, there's so many causes that we find out about, so many important needs that exist in our own community and around the world, and we're just aware of so much now. There's so much, and, and then there's always these, there's always a good cause to be supporting. There's always, you know, people asking for money for good things, and, and people, at, you know, doing 5Ks and doing a bake sale and doing this and that, trying to raise support for, for all these different things. And there's a lot of good causes, and we're trying to raise funds to, 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 to research cures for diseases, and that's really important, and we're trying to raise money for this cause and raise money for that cause. And so we, as, as a society, we're, we're constantly hit up. <laughs> We're constantly hit up, and there are people asking for our money. I remember seeing some, and like some of these causes are really, really worthwhile. Some of them just like, you know, you hear about them, it's like, whatever. A few years back, there's a, you know, like a friend of a friend on Facebook. He's a 17-year-old guy, and he was raising funds, started a GoFundMe page. He was raising funds to buy himself a car. Like, this is an able-bodied, upper-middle-class, suburban kid it's trying to get people to give him money. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to support that cause. You know what I mean? Sometimes the cause connects with you and sometimes it doesn't. But what, what happens when we're bombarded by all these different causes and all these different requests for our funding, for our hard-earned money, we can start to grow a little bit desensitized to some of these things. Do you realize that? And not even like in a negative way, but just in like almost as a coping mechanism, right? If we, if we just gave to every single cause, we'd be broke like that. You know, you'd be broke before this afternoon. Every time somebody asked you for your money, support this great cause, support that good cause, and raise money for this and raise money for that, you'd just be broke. And plus, just emotionally and spiritually, we'd be drained. If we gave ourselves over every time we heard about something, we would be drained, and so we've, we've like, as a, as a culture, as a society, we've, we've kind of developed this coping mechanism and grown a little bit desensitized to some of the causes that are out there and some of the needs that are out there because we just get bombarded. Now, the first time that I learned about the organization Start With One Kenya, and the first time that I met Bill Coble, the founder of Start With One Kenya, I was not immediately captivated by this cause. I just wasn't. So I want to tell you that story. Um, of how I met Bill and, and how this thing came to be. Uh, basically, this goes back to at least seven years ago when I was on staff at Bethlehem Church in, in Thornton, Pennsylvania. Um, I was on staff there, and uh, we, had, um, we had three worship services at that time. One started at 8 o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine being up at 8 o'clock in the morning? I mean, God's not even up at 8 o'clock in the morning. What are we doing? 
No, I'm kidding, of course. God's always awake and never sleeps. But anyway, we had this worship service at 8 o'clock, and it was my job to kind of like facilitate the service until the pastor stood up and did what he did. And so there'd be some announcements. And at that time, that church supported so many missionaries had a missionary just like everywhere you could think of, you know, stateside and all around the world, had all these missionaries. And so it was a regular practice to have a missionary visit the church. And so they'd stand up and give a little bit of talk about the work that they're doing. Thank you for your support. Here's what I'm doing, kind of a thing. And it got to, you know, we just had so many of them come through. It got to be kind of an inconvenience. That's how it felt. You know, we'd sit down on Tuesday afternoons and we'd plan the worship service together. It's like, oh, this missionary's coming in. It's like, oh, when don't we have time to fit that in? we try to fit it in. And we'd always give our missionaries five minutes. We gave them a time limit. Five minutes, that's all you have. Five minutes, because we're trying to keep this an hour and you only have five minutes to talk. And the missionaries didn't care, right? What are they going to do? They're going to time themselves and give themselves five minutes? It doesn't matter. So it became like a thing. It just started to feel like an inconvenience. And so one Sunday morning in particular, it was my job to introduce the missionary. This guy comes through. He's like, oh, I'm Bill Coble. Like, what do you do? He's like, something with Kenya. Like, whatever. And so, and li- by the way, this is, uh, this is a wrong attitude that I had, okay? Let me just make that clear. It's a wrong attitude that I had. Because I was just trying to get on with the day, get on with the thing, you know what I mean? Do your five-minute talk, and let's get over with it. And let's get this thing over with and move on to the next thing. And so he stands up, he gives this little bit of a talk, and I'm just kind of watching the clock and watching the time, waiting for the next thing, because we got to clip this thing along, clip this thing along. And so he gives a talk, and he throws out some statistics about what he does, and he's doing this clean water project. He talks about how dangerous dirty water is and how globally it's a big problem. Throws out some statistics that I didn't really pay attention to at the time, but now are very important to me. He says that, that three of the five most deadly diseases in the world are waterborne, cholera, dysentery, and typhoid. And so these are treatable, preventable diseases. He talks about the fact that more people die from drinking dirty water than die from all forms of violence combined, including war and acts of terrorism. So you think about all the, the you know, terrible acts of violence that exist in this world and the wars and the terrorist attack, and yet more people are dying every year from a lack of clean drinking water. And so he's rattling this stuff out. You know, 42,000 people die every week. 42,000 people die every week because they don't have access to clean drinking water. And 80% or maybe as many as 90% of those people who die every week are children under five years old. And so you hear these things, and if you're not paying attention, if you're just trying to get off with your day, if you're just trying to move through things, you, you might not, you, that might not connect with you. And so I heard him say this stuff, and I pondered this stuff, and we just moved on to the next thing. And I didn't think much about it after that morning, but there was somebody else on staff, Pastor Tom, who works at Bethlehem Church, and he had this immediate kind of thing that connected with his spirit or connected with his heart when he heard about this cause and heard about the work of Start With One. Can he said, I, I need to, to learn something about that. And so I, I met with Pastor Tom about a week later, and he said, hey, you remember that missionary who came through? I said, which one? He said, you know, Bill, Bill Coble will start with one Kenny. He said, well, I had, I had breakfast with him, and I feel like God is calling me to do this thing and go over to Kenya. And I said, are you serious? And so Pastor Tom, he was on this journey with God. Can I talk about being on a journey with God in church? Is that appropriate? So anyway, he was on this journey with God where he felt like he needed to do a big mission trip to help the least of these. And so he's a gentleman, he, you know, he, he's my senior. He was in his, you know, 50s at the time, and he was just talking about how he did all these different mission trips stateside, and he'd gone to, to do some foreign, you know, missions work, but never really to a third world country, and he just felt God was calling him to, to go to the least of these. And so God was putting that call in his heart, and then Bill walks in the door, and he felt like there's a connection here. I'm like, oh, let me know how that works out for you. 
And so Pastor Tom got that and the works, and he made his arrangements to, to go and do a, a solo trip and, and see this work firsthand. And so while he's doing that, I'm on a different journey with God because that's how it works, right? All of us as individuals, we kind of have our own little journey with God that we walk through life together. And so at this point in my life, I was kind of thinking about, kind of sensing that maybe God was, was calling me to plant a church and be a part of something here in Southern Delaware County. And so I was going through this, this uh, curriculum with a group of, of pastors in the Westchester area. And uh, it's, it's really, you know, it was called the Renovation Series, and it's really the, the, the thing that sparked Hope Community Church. And so we got to do this thing. And so in that Renovation Series, they talk about the importance of geography, the importance of geography. Be the church where you are. Claim a little piece of this world and say, we're going to reach the people here. And that's, that's a huge part of who we are as Hope Community Church, isn't it? We're, what do we say every week? Southern Delaware County, Ridley, Interborough, Ridley, Interborough, Southern Delaware County. That's where we are. Be specific because there's this thing. This is kind of like your, your bonus sermon for this for the Sunday. There's this thing that we Christians do when we say, well, we're just trying to share the gospel with everybody. Well, that, that, that's great and that's true, but that can be a little bit vague and nonspecific and we're, should, we're just trying to be specific, okay? And so I, the, the, the importance of geography was just discussed in this series, and I'm going through this, this curriculum with a group of other pastors, and we're talking about the importance of geography. And then the, the guy who led the series at a certain point said, but, but you know what? We also need to have another point in the globe where we're focused. We can't just be so concerned with our own community, so concerned with where we are, that we turn a blind eye to the greater needs around the world. And let me just tell you, there are greater needs around the world, Okay. Now, I've heard some Christians try to say, well, rich, poor, whatever country you live in, we all have our burdens, we all have our burdens. True. But let's be honest. Some burdens are worse than others. And so I started to get a little bit convicted by this whole thing. I'm like, okay, if, if, if God is really calling me to plant a church, like, yeah, we've got to be focused on the community, but we also have to have some point globally where we're aware of a greater need, where we can send money, send resources, send people, some kind of thing. And so that's the journey that I was on with God. Meanwhile, Pastor Tom is in Kenya. He comes back. We connect. He starts talking about this thing, and God said, this is it. This is it. And so before I could even sit down and do any kind of research, God, where would, God just said, this is it. And so God seemed to lay this opportunity in front of me. And so I was making my way out of that church as, as Tom was ramping up for the first team. He was going to take his first team. And so he took a team from Bethlehem Church. And I went by myself. What was that, 2013? And so I was the lone person from Hope Community Church. It was just me. And then all the people from Bethlehem. And I was lonely because I didn't have any of you guys with me. But I went over with Bethlehem Church. And I said, well, before I take a team of people from Hope, I really want to experience this. And so I did that. And then the subsequent year, I brought a team with me. And every year since, I brought a team to do this thing. And that's how we got involved with Start With One Kenya. That's how this thing came to be. That's, that's why we do this. And so there's always some questions that we get about this thing like this, like, well, why, why, why Kenya? <laughs> you know, again, with all the needs that exist in our own community and around the world, why, why Kenya? I'm going to answer that question, but first let's take a look at that scripture passage that's in your bulletin. It's from the book of James. James, this was originally a letter written by James. James is the brother of Jesus I guess I should say half-brother of Jesus, the younger brother of Jesus. And so what an interesting perspective that James had. And, and from what we read in Scripture, it seems that his, his biological siblings didn't really believe that he was the Messiah. I mean, of course they didn't. Come on. <laughs> Until after the resurrection. And so now here is James. He's following Jesus. He's a follower of the way. He's a Christian, whatever you want to call it. And he's writing to other Christians. And he's addressing, addressing something that I feel like, you know, he could be writing this letter to us today. Okay? 
This is 2,000 years ago, but he could be writing this to any church or any group of Christians to this day. And he's talking about just this, the, kind of the, <laughs> the nuts and bolts of what it means to be a Christian. And he says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, let's just talk about that, that verse 17 real quickly here, because some people get concerned. Like, were you saying that your salvation doesn't count if you don't do stuff? Is it like saved by works? Th- that's not the point of this, okay? Just focus on what that says in 17. Faith by itself, a belief system by itself, right? A knowledge of who Jesus is, a belief system, a faith system by itself, if not accompanied by the stuff you're supposed to do, it's useless. It's as good as dead. Why do you call yourself a Christian? Why do you even do this thing if you're not doing anything with it? Might as well be dead. And so just imagine, it's, it's, it's really a ridiculous situation that James is saying. It's like, imagine you meet somebody in need. Suppose you meet somebody who's in need, someone who's cold, someone who's hungry, and you say, you know what, brother? You know what, sister? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you tonight. See ya. James is saying, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. And so let me paraphrase, and it's always dangerous to paraphrase, but I think the point that James was trying to make is this. If God puts somebody in your path who has a need that you can meet, then meet that need. If God puts somebody on your path who has a need that you can meet, then you meet that need. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Now, here's the reality. There are plenty of people with plenty of different needs in your life, and you can't meet them all, can you? I mean, I've shared this with you before, how like, um, I like to be a problem solver. That's kind of like an ego thing for me. When there's a problem, I can say, okay, I can fix it. You know what I mean? I like to do that. I think it's the thing for a lot of guys. We like to solve problems. It's a problem solver thing. But there are so many problems that I can't solve, so many needs that people have where all I can do is pray. And man, the power of prayer, huh? Let's not discount prayer because prayer is powerful, prayer is meaningful, but there's so many needs where it's like, that's all I can do. But then there are other times where I can do more than that. When a need comes my way, we find out, hey, there's this young mother and she needs stuff and we have stuff. Oh, we can meet that need. God has put somebody in our path with a need that we can actually meet. And that's what we need to do. Now, let me just, this is your second bonus sermon for Sunday. Some of you all out there, you just have hearts that break for everything, okay? And I'm not going to point at anybody. I'm just going to stare at certain people. Some of you have hearts that break for everything. And every cause you find out about and every sad story, you just, you want to weep with them. That's awesome, but be careful of that. Because we can be so consumed with the needs of everybody that we fail to see the one person that God has put in our path with a need that we can actually meet. Does that make sense? To focus on that person. Like, oh, I'm so concerned about all the millions of starving people. It's like, well, what about your spouse or your sister or your brother or your neighbor or your coworker that you can actually help them? And so we want to be careful of that. So why do we do the Kenya thing? Well, because it's a need that God has put in our path and we're able to do something about it. It's, it's that simple. God just plopped it right in front of us. (laughs) By the way, you should never use the word plop when you're public speaking, okay? I said it twice now. Two times is enough. Place that need right in front of us, and and believe it or not, we can can actually, this little church in Ridley Park, we can do something about this? Yes, because God has set us up to do this. 
And so that's why we do this thing. If we found out about this cause and it's just like, well, there's no way we can do this. It's just like, it's not practical. We can't make it happen. We'll just pray for them because that's all we can do. That's one thing. But we actually have the ability to meet this need. You realize we're, we're actually literally saving lives and we're doing it in the name of the gospel. We're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, what's happening in the communities that we'll be visiting is the soil is being prepared, if I could put it that way. And so people have already heard the gospel. They've already heard the pieces. And we come in and we get to present the tangible evidence of God's love. It's awesome. It's a wonderful thing. I want to show you a video. So we'll see how that goes. But I want to show you a video that explains um, the work that we'll be doing this summer, the work that uh, the team will be going on, the work that so many of you have prepared us for. Um, So let's take a look at that. Water, water everywhere. No problem, one would think. Water, water everywhere. But not a drop to drink. These are the lives of the Kenyan people on the islands of Lake Victoria. of West Virginia. Water, water everywhere, but there is not one clean drop to drink. The chief of this island has informed us that every month three children die from waterborne diseases. I don't want any of these children to die from a waterborne disease. When I first came to this island, I had 10 children. All 10 children died of cholera and dysentery. In one of the cases, my child had diarrhea for days until nothing but blood came out, and he died. It was so painful. It is time for these deaths to stop. When my son got one of these waterborne diseases, I had to spend over 25,000 shillings to get him treated. That was a lot of money for me because fishermen don't earn a lot of money here. So I spent all of my savings to treat my son. This water here is reducing us to beggars. I've now realized that we are not taking good care of these people because we don't have clean water. We know that this water filter works. We know that it is changing lives. We need your help to provide a water filter for every home on this island because we know we can take that water and make it clean, safe water for all of these children. The Uzima filter was developed by missionaries living in Africa. 
It has been lab tested and field tested and been placed in over 12,000 households. Does it work? Let the testimonies speak for themselves. The rate at which the number of children or that the pupils used to miss school has greatly reduced. Since I received the water filter, I can filter 60 liters in a day. And that 60 liters I use with my family, I use with my neighbors, and even the children from school come by and drink. My children and I are now healthy. There's no more diarrhea. When I look at you, you are, you are so much different than other people that God created. Because you came from far to come and bless us with water. And the money you use, God is going to bless you back with a lot more. I thank God for the support we've got from friends and mostly Americans. That is what is big to us, that God did not leave Africa without something special. We have a blessing from God. And the success of the story here, we can use the same model to help other places. So why are we here? And why is this our responsibility? Because we are Christians, and it is God's greatest commandment for us to love one another. These are our neighbors, and we must show them our love by providing a water filter so that they can have clean water and a chance at a more prosperous life. You're going to take so many lives, so many homes, so many young people, so many old people, and I believe that it's a revolution in Kenya as a whole. Thank you and God bless you. Asante sana So that's where we're going, and we'll be taking those little boats that you saw out from the mainland to the islands and uh, doing just that, providing people with clean water filters. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but when you go to the snack bar, there is an example of the, the exact thing that we give out to people, the Uzema water filter system. Very simple system, two buckets. The filter is actually inside. If you want to take a peek inside, you can um, to see the filter in action, but that's the work that we're doing. Uh, the reason that we're talking about this today, it's not so much for fundraising purposes <laughs> because we've already raised a lot of the funds and I'm sure the rest will come in, but I just wanted to let you know that, that this is the work that you are supporting, okay? This is the work that you are doing. This is the cause that you are supporting. Those of you who are going on this trip this year, those of you who have been in years past, those of you who are leasing your spouses and children and friends and loved ones and grandpas to go on this trip, you are saving lives. Those of you who have supported this trip financially, you are saving lives. Those of you who are praying for our team, you are saving lives. We need the prayers. We need the funding. We need the support. We need our family members to release us. This, it takes, you know, what is there, five people going, but it takes, it takes hundreds upon hundreds of people, a whole community coming together to make this trip a reality. And so thank you for the work that you're doing. 
If you wanted to make a contribution and haven't yet, I mean, many of you already have, but if you wanted to, um, all you need to do is, you know, bring in your, your check as usual out to Hope Community Church, just write Kenny in the memo line, and 100% of that, 100% will go to supporting this year's mission trip to Kenya. This is what we do as a church. Why do we do it? Because we're Christians. What are we supposed to do? Love one another. And it's more than just a feeling. It's taking care of each other. And so we'll do the work in Kenya, and we do the work here because God has commanded us to take care of our neighbors. Who is our neighbor? (laughs) Whoever God puts in your path is your neighbor. And so this is why we're here as a church, to take care of people here and to take care of our neighbors abroad. Let's spend some time in prayer. Father God, we thank you for, for placing this need on our path Father God, we thank you for providing us with the ability to to meet this need. We thank you that you've allowed us to be a part of this life-saving work, all of us who are here today. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be your hands and feet. We thank you that we can not only speak the words of the gospel, but also present this tangible evidence of your love with the people of Kenya who are in need. Father God, we pray over this year's trip. We pray for our team members. We pray, of course, for our safety. But even more than that, we just pray that your will would be done and that people would experience the gospel, receive that clean water, but more importantly, receive the living water that is found in you, Jesus, and in you alone. We pray this all in your name. Amen.